Well, we're doing it again. <laughs> we're we are. We're talking about bourbon. We're talking about beer. We're in a hot attic, staring at a Christmas tree, having a good time. How are you feeling? I'm feeling better today than I have in a week. So I mean, that's that's what we're looking for. Brian, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm real tired. Yeah. And I would like to eat some foods. Cinnamon shared <laughs> by all three of us. I'm sure it's been a long week, but here we are with. And then there was corn. Alright, so I'm Chad Reed. Brian Sailing. And I'm Kevin Turner. Welcome back to And Then There Was Corn. This is our second week. Uh, As we talked about last week, uh, this week's features are going to be Old Forester's Signature, which is 100 proof, and the beer. It is Brooklyn Summer Ale. Brooklyn Summer Ale. Uh, it, last week we chose at the end of the podcast which ones we were doing. We'll do that every week. Um... We chose the Old Forester, and I chose the beer because I felt that the hops and the citrus notes would actually match really well with the tropical notes of Old Forester. Yeah, and in case you missed last week, we did Wild Turkey 101 and Champagne Velvet for our inaugural podcast, so feel free to go and check that that one out, get a feel for who we are, and then come back to this one and listen to this one 16 times, and it'll be a good time for everybody. So some of the things we're actually going to go over today is uh, kind of the basis of what it is to be a bourbon, Mm -hmm. your ABCs of bourbon, um, as well as some of the misconceptions that can happen along the way. All right. So here's cheers to our first pour. Bourbon glasses. Cheers. Old Forster Signature 100 Proof. We put liquor in cups, baby. Liquor in cups. The nose is fruity, especially for the 100. I like this one. I'm not a big fan of Old Forester for the most part. I drink this one because it has that fruitiness, but it's not overwhelming and medicinal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, the 86 for me is super medicinal. I've actually had the 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 first time I threw up on a bourbon because of the flavor of a bourbon was because of Old Forester 86. Yeah. I had a couple of shots. And it wasn't your four decisions at all. No, no. I, <laughs> I don't make four decisions. And especially back when my mid-20s, I did not make bad decisions. See, mine was Old Crow. I think it's just something about having old in the name. <laughs> <laughs> That's what does it for me. I generally, after that night of Old Crow, I shied away from any bourbon that said old in the name. So I was like, no, that's just a mistake waiting to happen. <laughs> and then Old Forester came into my life, and it's still just a mistake waiting to happen. Yep. So true. <laughs> So I actually chose this bourbon um, on, I don't think I realized it, but I, maybe one of the reasons why I chose it is as far as, you know, obviously Kentucky is the birthplace of bourbon, but with this particular bourbon, there's not a lot of inner city distilleries, and this bourbon actually happens to be produced in the exact same neighborhood that I grew up in as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in the Shively area, in our southwest it's- if, if you're not from here, that is a Dixie Highway thing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people on the East Coast. Well, e- on the East Coast, you know at least something about Dixie Highway because it goes all the way down. Yeah, it's very, yeah. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. It's a fr- very Freudian decision on your part, right? Yeah, I guess it was. And also, the Dixie Cup is a perfect uh, replication of the Dixie Highway area that I grew up in. I now wish we had the same Dixie Cups. <laughs> <laughs> Dixie Cup and Baldros. That's all <laughs> I, I do like the, the heat on this one. The spice level compared to last week with the wild turkey mm-hmm. is not the same. It's more of a tongue coating um, and, and a little bit more aggressive in its spice rather than as much as balance. Yeah. One of my things about this one is it is that 100 proof and there are there is so much flavor behind it. 
but it's really thin mm-hmm. for me. It's really watery. I expect more of a mouthfeel and more of a coating right. from it rather than just the wash across your tongue and it's mm-hmm. gone, then you have to drink more and then you drink more and then you pass out. Well, I think that was also one of the reasons why I chose it is when I was working at uh, Eight Up with Chad, which you also worked at mm-hmm. as well, is that you know it was a very affluent bar program, and when people would ask for anything above well in old fashions, my hand would just immediately go to the Old Forester One Hundred because of that thinness. Yeah. It almost needs that little bit of sugar, yeah. but it has enough flavor in it that it would stand up to the water and the bitters and the sugar and. That's a huge well, thing for bourbons. I yeah. mean, to be able to stand up in a cocktail and still recognize that flavor mm-hmm. while still being the drink that it is mm-hmm. is a huge factor. Because I mean, we've all we all know those brands where it's like it's really expensive. You get pushed to put it in a cocktail at an expensive cocktail bar. You put it in there and it's gone. Yeah, right. And you bring up the concept of a well bourbon and what a well bourbon is. And for those of you out there who may not, you know, work in the industry or you've just asked for. Yeah, I'll have a bourbon and Coke. You're getting what is known as well bourbon, which for that bar is generally, you know, it's one brand across the board that that's their bourbon, whiskey, rum, gin, vodka, mm-hmm. and it's a, generally a lower quality, just cheap for the bar. It's a cost-effective liquor, and that's what well really is. And at the bars that we've been working at, or that we, you know, try to work at and try to curate, what is the well is better than, you know, like a dive bar, hole-in-the-wall well. Sure. Right. You're, you're, not, you're not gagging on the shot of bourbon yeah. that you just took. Right, and because of the cocktail obligation. Like, yeah. it's not just like, oh, this is and Coke, and it's washed mm-hmm. away. It's, it's like, not no, this just is, about uh, cost anymore. Exactly. Yeah. It's about I, I would, you know, in our bar and how we built our wells, uh, or our standard pours, uh, we, we approached it as in, like, how much flavor can we get at as low of a cost as we can get? I don't want to sacrifice flavor because I got it for five dollars a bottle. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, that's that's a negative in that sense. You're actually doing a disjustice to your customers. Now, like you said, if it's a dive bar, like you know, most of your customers are alcoholics. They don't care. <laughs> yeah. You know, like college bar, dive bar, right. just yeah. something like that. Binge Little drinking. small town bar. Yeah. I don't. You don't care mm-hmm. what they're putting in the cup. You just care that it's being put in a cup. Yep. Exactly. Uh, it, and then having that step up or that mm-hmm. next price point level slash flavor level, having that there actually means a lot. And, and that's one of the things that is uh, a good trick for bartenders if you're a bartender listening and you're trying to learn how to upsell. Instead of going like, oh, did you want well bourbon? You're going, well, what bourbon would you like? Mm-hmm. And that alone will get somebody to pull a name out. And Old mm-hmm. Forester is one of those names that people pull out. Because yeah. it's advertised everywhere across the country yeah. from California to Kalamazoo. You know. <laughs> but appropriately so. I mean, we've done... Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, in doing research for this week, we found out a lot of things I did not know about Old Forester. Mm-hmm. One of them being the longest running bourbon distillery yeah. longest in the world. bourbon brand on the market. It's 149 years right now, as of 2020. Yeah, yeah. that's because they got um, they had they were allowed prescription based whiskey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what? How many were there? It was like six. Uh, they were one out of six um, medically prescribed whiskeys. Yeah, which six. I mean, at that point, and to be honest, I do agree that this can be super medicinal, and in that point of like how it helps, you know, like. You've had yeah. a rough day, 
and it may not be great on your liver, but you have a couple <laughs> drinks, you know? Yeah, you're not you wrong. have a couple drinks, you relax. And, and it's not just the alcohol either. It's the, I drank this to let myself let go. Yeah. You know, and something, if you're doing that as often as three to five times a week, you know, something affordable like an old Forester, mm-hmm. which is $22, $23 a, a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something like that. You know, and and that's really that that is one of your like prime price points in the bourbons we're speaking of. Like yeah. you can get a lot for twenty to twenty five dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this one is not only cost effective, but it's a little step up from their eighty six. So you're getting a good like flavor for that price. Yeah. You're getting the proof, but it's not so overwhelming and diminishing on your palate like you know Booker's hundred and thirty proof would mm-hmm. be. You know, you're still getting that kick, and I really, I really like that hundred proof range, yeah. which this is not a bonded bourbon, and it sits at a hundred proof, which anymore. is rare. It's not a bonded bourbon anymore. Correct. Yeah, but they didn't see a need for it because yeah. they didn't want to have to have bonded warehouses and and someone checking on it and all that. Explain what bonded is for everybody. All right, so we'll give a quick rundown because we will eventually do a bonded episode, mm-hmm. but. So basically what you're saying when you say bonded, that at one point they said, we're going to make whiskey again, but it has to be at least this quality. So it has to be at least four years old. It has to be 100 proof, no additives and no flavorings and things of that matter. It comes from the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897, which was the first uh, food or alcohol-like Standard. Yeah. yeah, it was the yeah. first standard before the FDA became a thing. One of my favorite things to say about that it was bonded. Is we cared more about our alcohol than we did our food. Yes, yeah, there was no regulation on our food. Yeah, there was no regulation on our food, no. and then we were like, oh, but whiskey's got to be this good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's also like whiskey was. I mean, back then when that was happening, uh, I mean, people were filtering their bourbon and their whiskey through like used car radiators. Which is where you had people going blind from like bathtub whiskey and bathtub gin because it's antifreeze that you're filtering your liquor through. And that's why that, that's one of the big reasons that that act happened because they were just adding all these additives and filtering it through whatever they wanted and they were killing people. tobacco spit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You were killing people with all of this nonsense that was thrown into liquor. Yeah. So the bottled and bond act happened and then you ended up with bonded bourbon. And One of the biggest people who pushed that was uh, Colonel Taylor, mm-hmm. um, but he also pushed that because we were in a depression um, at one point, and part of that was because we couldn't sell whiskey, yeah. and that helped out a lot, is being able to resell and tax whiskey. Whiskey helps so you buy depression. We, we said, we <laughs> said our depression <laughs> happened. And you can't sell legal alcohol unless you have prescription, which there was only six. Yeah. Um, but then we go to war, and that war took all our funds away. And when you're making that much money on taxing whiskey, you you know you you're losing a lot because you're not taxing anymore. And then we our economy goes into depression. We reenact uh, the twenty first or we act in on the twenty first amendment. And next thing you know, we're taxing again, and the the country booms. Yeah. yeah. You know. And, and that's what people don't realize. The alcohol gets taxed every step of the way. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is why the, it is priced the way it is. If they didn't get taxed like that, a bottle of bourbon would be like $5. No, for oh, sure. Yeah. You know? Because literally, they're just like taking one little piece of product, which is like corn, rye, and barley, or wheat, or whatever, and they're 
making taking it into a like a, a le- like a volume level that's like mm-hmm. outrageous and then just letting it sit for years. So all yeah. you're paying for at that point is a little paying bit of the time. product and then paying yeah. for time and w- warehousing it. Yeah. Well, I think it makes sense too. So um, Old Forester is a Brown Foreman product. Brown Foreman was started by George Garvin Brown. Uh, we're talking about like 1800s. But before he got into the bourbon world, he was actually a pharmaceutical drug salesman. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking like no information age at all. Like how well you felt was how good you felt that day. And it made sense that he went away from the probably less profound pharmaceutical options that were available to him to the immediate profound response of alcohol to like people just feel better now. Oh yeah, and like I can yeah. sell this, and it's like that. It's not you got to wait two and weeks for your, uh, yeah, well, your Xanax or uh, Zantac to kick in. <laughs> was it? Did we talk about? Uh, so there was a horse medication. I know this is weird, but there was a horse medication for this horse disease, and this guy he ended up being a distiller or something. But this guy found a cure air quotes cure for this horse disease but it was like 75% alcohol yeah. like content so just the cure for everything is have you considered getting drunk about it oh yeah you break it's your arm like, back in the day yeah. have some bourbon on it it's like during the last <laughs> great play it's like that Chris Rock uh, Motussin yeah. <laughs> uh, alcohol <laughs> it's the same concept it was the same concept as in like uh, the dark ages the black death uh, black yeah. plague it's like oh homie you've got ghosts in your blood you're going to have to do cocaine about it. And, and that's what they prescribe to people. And then get leached. Yeah, and right. then get leached. You've got too many humors. We <laughs> <laughs> have to get them out of you somehow. <laughs> All right, so back to the bourbon a little back bit. Back to the bourbon. Um, so because he was a pharmacist, though, he also thought things in a uh, perceived manner and how people take it. You know, he didn't want to be taken as, like, a snake oil or any yeah. of that manner. So he actually... Uh, Put it in glass bottles. Well, they were the yeah. first ones to seal the bottle to the point yeah. where it was then a huge push to the pharmaceutical they were side the, of that. They were the first bourbon that was exclusively, exclusively. sold in sealed bottles, which is wild to me because you open a, a thing of acetaminophen, you open up some ibuprofen today, it's sealed. There's a wax or there's a plastic seal cap. There's a wax cotton cap ball. on top, and there's cotton, cotton ball, ball inside because one by one guy poisoned seven people, right. and now it's like that. But you killed thousands of people with terrible liquor. Yeah. Well, that was not the first moment that happened. Yeah. It was no, happening no. with alcohol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no, then this sure. guy goes, "You know what? I want you to see what's in the bottle. I want mm-hmm. you to see that it has not been tampered with, and it's sealed. And this is a quality, hundred proof, bonded bourbon." This is what's happening. Yeah. You know, I think that's really cool because, I mean, to be honest, that's someone saying, like, I don't care how the field is. I'm going to consider the human being that I'm serving this yeah. to. Yeah, okay. for sure. You know, Which it, is a bartender mindset. Right. It and it worked well for him as a businessman, but it also was, you know, like your conscience later on is not not hurt. You're not yeah, going yeah. like, well, I just serve crappy stuff to people. But you don't know you that know. people aren't spitting in that, you know, yeah, and yeah. then selling it off or. Oh, yeah whatever was happening back exactly. in the day. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of bartenders originally were pharmaceutical reps. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, or not reps, uh, pharmaceutical Sales style salesmen and, and like, you know, that was a lot to, to that. You know, you, you sold medicine over the counter as well as alcohol. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, that 
that transfers into like I'm gonna step behind the bar and yeah. be you know kind of an alchemist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and back sure. then too, like everything was door to door sales. Like you had the joke of the door to door vacuum salesman, but <laughs> I mean it it fell in every industry, especially in like the early 1900s, mid 1900s. You had door to door candy salesmen, door to door makeup salesmen, yeah. where they would like mix the makeup to fix your face or to match your face. And you, fix had to, your you face had to have as well. faith in someone that just yeah. knocked on your door. Yeah, these people showed up with small bottles of liquor, small bottles of medicine, yeah. then and sold you what you wanted yeah, based yeah. on what they had. And told them how to get a prescription in the sense yeah. of how you get a marijuana prescription nowadays yeah. in yeah. certain states. The Sears catalog back in the 30s and 40s. Sears you could Nova. literally yeah. buy, you could buy the a house, gun. the cow, the grain. You yeah. could set yourself up based on a catalog. You yeah. know, it's just, it was transport. You know, yeah. we just yeah. weren't there. It, it was changing how you did things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they changed how people did things in the whiskey industry. You know, I mean, yes, we had more of a problem than you know Europe did, obviously, because they didn't have the provision that we had. Yeah. Um, but you know, it seems pretty cool that someone just looked at it and goes, "You know what? We should probably put it in a clear glass bottle." Yeah. Uh, you know, we, it's still got to be hundred proof. It's going to be a quality product. Mm-hmm. You're going to look at it and go, "That I can see that that's not like it doesn't look yeah. awful. It's not too dark. It's not too mm-hmm. light. Yeah. No, you know. it doesn't shimmer in the moonlight." No, for sure. So, <laughs> you know, we talked about this last week as far as like... It took a second to click, I'm sorry. What I mean, makes, the face sell things. <laughs> like, what makes a high-ride bourbon? And for me, Old Forester always set on that, like, at this and above this, this is high-ride. And yeah. I've always known the 72 corn, uh, 10% barley, and 18%, 18%. rye, yeah. like, in my head, like, embedded as that's that. And even back to what we were talking about last week of like these are really loose terms as far as what high right even from Old Forester themselves in quotes all they say about this bourbon is that it is richer in rye. Yes, and we'll we'll get to what high right is and the styles of bourbon at a later date, but that's more in depth. Yeah, that's a little bit more. Once you listen to us more, we go more in depth. Mm. All right, so let's talk uh, about this beer. This beer. So we have the Brooklyn Summer Ale. All right, so. In the the mid to late '80s, um, you saw uh, uh, the beginning of really the craft movement of beer. Mm-hmm. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, but uh, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so Brooklyn officially started in 1988, and they started on a lager. I thought they had been around longer than that. No, so they so they met in the. Um, the, the the original I didn't bring my notes up here, That's okay. uh, but uh, the original guy was like was, 1884. Was no, so so Brook no. no so damn. Brooklyn itself was in 1884 was a hub for American beers. Gotcha. Yeah. So they were pumping out 10 percent of the beers that came across America yeah. as a city. Makes sense. Now that died off, and then. It comes about to 1982, and the two owners originally meet, and one guy's like coming back from London and do working on his home brews and using all these like you know British ingredients and you know kind of testing what the American palate knew for himself at home. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, they open up their brewery, but it's not like what we know now as a brewery. Mm-hmm. Like there was no tasting rooms, there was no bar pub moment. It was they were making a brewery, and what is odd to me is nowadays, like you know, you start making a solid IPA. Well, they started making a lager, 
Yeah. They, they we talked about last week. I was like, why would these beginning just like breweries like show off their uh, talents and do an approachable beer? You would mess with like the intense hops, like yeah. you know, uh, the intense malts. You wouldn't just make Bud Light, you know. Right. But they did. But 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 you think is you back then? Make Bud. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll have to have Bud Light as a feature in one of these yeah. podcasts. You end up with Bud Light. Mellow yes. corn and Bud Light. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's gonna happen. Um, but you know, so you know, you starting off with lager, and nowadays that seems unheard of. But they started getting like national recognition and won multiple high beer awards for these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooklyn Brewery in the uh, mid '90s, I believe, was the first brewery to actually win a James Beard Award. And if you don't know what a James Beard Award is, it's basically a super high uh, award for food and drink. And the fact that a brewery won that, because it's normally like a restaurant. Yeah, or a chef. Has, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a chef mainly. But the, yes, like that chef at that restaurant, mm-hmm. their food was killer. It's like the Michelin star moment. It's, yeah. it's such an it acclimate that it's, it's like unheard of for a brewery at that point yeah. to mm-hmm. even like get that and they want it with a lot like a lager and an IPA yeah, like an appro- approachable beer yeah because yeah. later on they did an East Coast IPA mm. and they were like one of the first like you had Sierra Nevada doing that you might have had Sam Adams doing that but you, you know it, it, they they rocked it and all of a sudden they took a lager and then made an IPA mm-hmm. and their IPA is still now their flagship yeah I didn't know that about the London influence on yeah, Brooklyn, yeah. which makes total sense because the number one selling beer in London is Fuller's London Pride. And if you handed that to any American, they would probably think that they're drinking a red ale yeah. because they're so malt heavy. Exactly. That it's so much more rich and flavorful. But over here, you know, we kind of went away from that and then we're like, we're on a boat, we just cut our grass, we just want this like super sessionable thing, not necessarily flavor forward. And it makes total sense that they got recognized for awards for that. Yeah. And there were a lot of, especially in the early years of Brooklyn, there were a lot of like German and Austrian uh, immigrants Yeah, that came through that brewery and like sort of left a little bit of their identity or their profile. Oh, yeah. And came through, worked, and then went on to pursue their version of the American dream, but left a lot at the at mm. Brooklyn Brewery. Now, uh, to steep back into yeah. our beer that we are actually tasting. So this summer ale is actually a pale ale. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and it it surprised me and didn't surprise me when I found that out because it doesn't really say pale ale. Like, it says it really small on the can, so it's not like a recognizable moment. Which I would stop you right there. That means it's perfect yeah. to go with Old Forester One Hundred, also known as Old Forester Signature, mm-hmm. because it's colloquial. It's locally known and generally known as Old Olfo Sig. You mm-hmm. ask for Olfo Sig, Old Forester Signature. Because, uh, what's his name? George Garvin Brown signed every bottle of that 100 proof bourbon that went out so that it got known as his signature bourbon. For a while, it was advertised with his signature on it. It was called Signature, but not anymore. Mm -hmm. If you pick up a bottle of Old Forester 100 now, it says nowhere in the advertisement Signature. Where does it say it? It says it very small on the back in the paragraph on the back of the bottle. It says includes his signature and that's the only time it says signature so that's perfect for these beers it doesn't say it's yeah it's it tiny on the can it, it says it yeah, says sunny pale ale and I that's how they advertise it there it's like a sunny refreshing yeah. crisp 
But what what when I was you know researching it and saying like okay we're gonna look at the summer ale most summer ales like yes they use hops and things like that matter to get yeah. the flavor profile but they're not as present and I think that was a huge thing for me and also uh, just for a preface we drink out of cans here mm -hmm. um, so getting the the nose uh, is not necessarily a huge thing here um, but you know we drink from cans we, we only drink from cans. <laughs> Uh, I love the taste of metal, yeah. but it it's it's got this like it's got this sharpness to it in a positive way, which you don't necessarily first associate with hops. You you know it's got this like bright crisp moment yeah. is how you normally if, without knowing the hops moment and the paleo moment that's how you would describe it. Yeah. So it's got this like bright crispness in that citrusy note. Um, and it does it does have a. Like citrus back note to it, like it's not prominent, but it's definitely there. It's not overwhelming by any means. Yeah. No, it's it's not like Zango or what we have on tap. No, but well, it's easy to get beer. It yeah, is. It is a super easy. I could I could kill a twelve pack of these sitting on my patio and hanging out with neighbors. No problem. Yeah. It well, goes down super easy. Ale is a very loose term too. I mean, most beers are ales, and that can fall anywhere yeah. between this summer citrusy forward pale ale that we're drinking right now, all the way down to like. The deepest, darkest dinosaur tar stouts that you can think <laughs> right. of, like that, all falls into that same category. You know, yeah. so it's it, it doesn't surprise me that we didn't know that this was considered a pillar. And I even think from their side, they're like, "What are we gonna call this? Because it's bottom fermenting and it tastes like this, but it doesn't really fit into anything yeah. that's like historically appropriate." Yeah, if you so, were this average person, it's a summer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, I'm not a huge beer and wine guy. I would have called this a lager. Yeah, I exactly. Well, I mean, I, I know beer pretty well. You know, Brian knows a little bit more than me because he had experience in the like the world of beer atmosphere. I worked at a spot that had like 600 beers. Yeah. You know, it's too many beers. It's way Brian. too many beers. Oh, how many of those beers went Why? Uh, oh, onto yeah. my own personal obligation to want to know something about everything that I served to my guests, it was a lot. Yeah, so it was yeah, a stressful I'm, time being Brian. But also, you <laughs> know, for the listeners, your average beer lasts about three months in its container unless it is an ageable beer yeah which we'll have a a, a more beer heavy yeah. podcast at one point and you'll we'll talk about and that it, but it's the same as like i don't know i was in high school at one point and had a six pack of budweiser or something like that sitting in my closet for a year and a half because i felt weird trying to sneak drinking it and you know what when i finally opened it I hated it. Oh, I hated yeah. it. It was skunked Budweiser. It had been sitting there for two something years. See, my, my experience is the opposite. Like, my dad drank Strohs. I remember I was like six, seven, eight ish years old, you know, right around there. Yeah. And he was like standing, the, I have a vivid memory. He was standing at the end of the driveway drinking a beer and we're like talking about the yard or something, whatever. <laughs> And I like snagged the beer stuff. out of his hand and took a giant jug. Yeah. yeah. And loved every moment of it. Yeah. See, but, but then didn't drink until I was like 24, 25. Yeah. I didn't like alcohol. Well, I mean, mine, mine was the opposite. Like, my dad was a part of a beer of the month club where he would get like four K or four six packs of beers sent to him every month. And they were all like craft beer in the mid 90s. So it was when that was like happening. I forget you're just enough younger now. Yeah, not I'm aware. I, yeah, I'm a little younger. These Pokemon, not Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, my dad got these. We had a beer fridge in the garage, and that fridge was filled with my dad's 
air quotes craft beer mm-hmm. that he got in the mid 90s and so when i ended up with like a six pack or 12 pack of budweiser it was like okay first off I don't want to bring dishonor on my father <laughs> by pounding these Budweiser's. Sword, heart, yeah. on your family. Secondly, I'm not supposed to be doing this in the first place. Thirdly, I don't care anymore, so I'm going to drink it two years later. It took a long time to get over those first two steps. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've also wondered between you guys on that. I remember my parents told me a story that we were camping at the Ohio Lake in Kentucky, and I just went missing. And then all of a sudden, they, I was like three or four years old, and suddenly they just found me behind a tent with like two beer strows, beer cans beside <laughs> me, and I was just passed out. <laughs> I drank these strows. Ah, yeah. Hilariously, also with strows is that I remember being like 11 years old, and my parents were leaving the house, and I always remembered it as like wine soda, and particularly with strows, because it had the wine on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember can. them pulling out of the driveway, and me just being like, I'm getting drunk today. <laughs> and going to the Strohs and opening it and tasting it and being like, this is terrible. So jug, then I jug, had jug, jug. Hawaiian Punch because it was back in the day. So I mingled the Strohs with Hawaiian oh. Punch and tasted that and it was equally terrible. Yeah, and I poured no, that's all that way stuff worse. Out. Yeah, that feels worse. <laughs> At least I feel like drinking. my whole life has been trying to recorrect that situation. <laughs> At least you were drinking liquid red before. I haven't Hawaiian Punch just sounds. <laughs> At least we know that you disappeared as a child. (laughs) (laughs) Brian's a guy who's disappeared as an adult. (laughs) Oh, we've been camping and for like four hours looking for Brian going, wait a minute, he's supposed to be here. Yeah, definitely. Good at disappearing. We'll talk about that at a later date. Once you get to know us better, we'll... uh, (laughs) We'll let you in on a little bit of our internal lives. More more personal settings. Uh, But I will say, um, I'm not overwhelmed with the pairing, but I'm not underwhelmed either. I yeah, think no, it's they, good. Yeah. Um, I think that it's the the notes match each other, but mm-hmm. I I think the the leaning towards the underwhelming side as I think they match too much. That's well, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, I just think that the beer just pulls all the brightness out of the bourbon, yeah. which is exists on the nose and doesn't exist in the actual experience. Um, but there's enough spice there to like hold it down. Yeah. But I just think that they're like exactly like you said. It's they're just they work too well. Yes, yeah. I, I think I think a red ale yeah. would have done better, or, or an amber, or something of where you have the malty sweetness and less of the fruit. I think if we pulled a solid, a solid pilsner. Well, solid pilsner goes with any whiskey. Well, yeah. okay, easy killer. It's like a <laughs> saturated <laughs> beers, which we'll get to that later. Yeah. I'm sure as Ooh, well. ketchup. But I think a, a solid a solid pilsner would have done well with this. But again, beer's not my strong side. Like yeah. I like this. It's not it's not bad. It's not great. Mm-hmm. I would order it. I would order uh, a Citra yeah. before, which is our bad decision juice. Like yeah. I would Citra order Citra Acid from Against the Grain, which is a yeah. double IPA. Just I would like order that Citra first. Port. But I like this. If I'm just gonna be sitting on sitting on my porch. Pounding beer, mm. I would like for it to be this Brooklyn summer ale. No, it's it's great. And like, so we recently had another summer ale in Can, and it was a uh, Victory Victor's. Summer Love. Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to compare the two, and and that was right before I did the research of this beer, and like tasting them, I'm like, well, like the Victory, like it's it's got kind of the same notes, but it's easier drinking in a sense it's less of a beer it's less of a beer yeah 
But then, like, finding out that it's a paleo on the Brooklyn made more sense because that sharpness is there. That yeah. beautiful sharpness. How resonance. do you become more of a beer? <laughs> You've never heard of beer-flavored beers? Well, well when, one, when one beer touches another beer, and then they really love each other. <laughs> See, I, I, got, I got messed up for a little while over the last, like, so y- you all obviously don't know this. But we've spent the last week working Burger Week, which in this Louisville, week was Louisville's Kentucky. Burger Week, yeah. Louisville, Kentucky has a Burger Week, which six dollar burgers. Yeah, six dollar burgers, four dollar cocktails. So we've gone through hell across multiple establishments. Days. Yeah, like yeah. What, the whole twenty city. to thirty different restaurants doing this, and we are the birthplace of the cheeseburgers. So we got hit real hard. And we were also the, the number one. First featured on the Burger yeah. Week information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So during all of that, I was trying to do research on the summer ale that I thought we were talking about. <laughs> so when I came in today to do the podcast, it's like, oh, so we're doing perfect summer ale. They're like, no, yeah, Brooklyn summer ale. I was like, oh, good. I definitely haven't been looking up Victory's summer ale. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a long week. It, it's oh, been man. a long week. Uh, each of us have put in 65 hours plus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, that's, and that's with very little like management moments because me and Brian are the managers of the bar. Mm-hmm. And I just and, exist here. That's right. <laughs> but he exists in a positive manner as as like our go-to. Like, you know, as of right now, we would not exist in the way we do without Kevin. We do. I'm going to do did. this. I'm going to do this on record right now. Am I our bar lead? Do you want to be bar Yeah, lead? you're bar yeah, lead. I'm our bar Technically, lead. Technically, you lead. are bar lead. I am our lead bartender. There Absolutely. are two managers and a bar lead right now. Hot One damn! One of them doesn't have keys. And then you have a relief bartender, which is Emma, and she will eventually she's be amazing. on the podcast. She is a wonderful human being. She's, um, she's and she is kind of like the same, but different than us. She is a little bit more laid back, not a, for the most part, not as theatrical. Mm-hmm. Um... But then you'll have these bursts from her that is that way. Yeah, I like when she gets hangry. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite. I don't. <laughs> when you guys get hangry, it's the it's, it's the never worst. at me. Yeah. It's the worst. Well, speaking of hangry, I feel like we're approaching that way because Brian and well, I. Brian one of the things Kevin, we definitely need to talk about is we definitely, um, you know, in talking about forty dollars bourbons, one of the things we definitely want to discuss is what makes a bourbon a bourbon. So there are ABCs yeah. of bourbon, and it's just this like basic algorithm that some bartender came up with, but it goes from A all the way to E? F. F. Uh, and there are specific notes on that. Six things. <laughs> I had to count it on my fingers. You literally counted on the things. six hands, and I, I almost lost it. So, like, you know, a lot of people think that a bourbon has to be from Kentucky, and there are actually some really amazing, really refined, super distinguished... Like in the West Virginia, Old Ambler is killing it. I mean, like, New York does some large stuff. Whistle too. Pig I mean, is killing it, which I think hits that Washington. As long as you're not drinking baby nuts in like New York, you know, New York will kill it if they resource their water. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, so first so, off, so, that's so, wrong. You so, can't uh, have bagels without New York water. You can't so, have New York pizza without New York water. Yeah, but you have to have New York water. You also, you know, you also can't distinguish that 
or say that they don't have they have good water because they don't have good water. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible water. Yeah. Um, you learn to love it. Probably. The microbes. <laughs> so, so, so to go back to where we were with the, yeah. the ABCs and so, so like, our the, the Kentucky moment actually. Let's yeah, go back to that like ninety-five percent of bourbons are made in Kentucky, and the best ones are made in Kentucky. But it doesn't mean that it has to be Hubris. made in Kentucky. Actually, that's wrong. <laughs> the best bourbon. Oh. Comes from California. The best for the past few I'm years. I'm leaning forward hard. For the past few years, it's called. No, you can't get it. You can't order it. I it's thought McKenna won. Oh, no, the one you no. were talking about. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's called. Okay, it's called California Gold. And it is hands down, like, uh, professional tasters and judges all agree. This is the best bourbon that's to, been made. To what it's award? It's a mix. This is the Spirit Award? No, uh, basically, uh, basically, this is uh, this is it's made in such small batches and yeah. like so under this the, is under the, the radar that it's getting handed to people. Yeah, right. he just this yeah. guy. Okay, so this guy is in his garage mixing, matching, and making bourbon. Right, and then comes to competitions and kills it. It's yeah. called California Gold. It is a good clear, luck. Clear, Not yeah, dollars. you're never gonna be able to find it. Not a $40 it's, bottle. It's something you have to know a guy who knows a guy who knows the guy <laughs> to be able to get it. But it is just a clear bottle, like generally fifth bottles, with tape on it that says CA Gold. Word. Yeah. That's the and best. And it is <laughs> hands down the best bourbon that's ever been put into competition. Nice. Um, so in that sense, let's go back to what it means to be a bourbon. So you you have A through F. So um, uh, you've got <laughs> A, which it must be American made. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't matter where in America, just American made. And that comes from top to bottom. That is the most important part. That bourbon yes. has to yes. be American made. It you is. can't have French bourbon. You can't have no. Zimbabwe bourbon. Off, well, you know, like um, Britain has gin. Like the Caribbeans have rum. Like America See, that's has about gin. bourbon. Gin, gin does not have to be made in London to be a London. It doesn't guy. have to be, but historically they have. Yeah. If you yeah. think about gin, I but, think about like that the dude who was gin drunk that. at like three a.m. Uh, but all right, all right. So, <laughs> so American made. Yes. Now B, you've got new charred oak, white oak barrels. White oak, important. White oak. New. And it doesn't charred. have to be white oak it's or American oak. It's liquor. <laughs> now I only take white oak in my bourbon. Um, but it it has to be charred. The level of char doesn't matter. No, and there's just, three, four levels. There's five. Oh, five. Five. there's a lot. But there's that is also light, a like a char. non-regulated scale. Yeah. Sure. So like you know like wild turkey calls it the alligators. Uh, yeah, char. well there's basically yeah. That's a holes in the yeah, barrel. That's a five. Your average <laughs> your so average much. barrel will never go below three. You will never hear of a two or a one. Because there's Why no point. Yeah, yeah. It, you just it, have to wait longer. Unless you're like aging it and then shipping it over to Scotland and letting it sit for 40 years. No. Those chars wouldn't well, matter. No. Let, no. Let's, let's calm down a little bit. <laughs> I, there are five level levels of char, yes. as you said, for right. the inside of a barrel. But what that means is it's just different amount of flame that is burning up and there's a the different amount of, of texture to the inside of the barrel that has a different amount of charred wood. You're charcoaling no. the wood. Yeah, you're charcoaling the wood, which brings sugar a score. lot of sugar and flavor, tannins, vanillins into the bourbon right. from which the wood. vanilla is catnip to human beings. Yes. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's what makes bourbon really bourbon. 
Right. right. And well, oak barrels, yes, especially also like some. the Water. number two vanilla in the world next to the vanilla I bean mean. is new oak. Yeah. yeah, that's it. You're pulling more out of that fresh oak than you would as a used barrel. Yeah. So this is why Scotch can sit for for one reason for forty years. Not only their 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 uh, temperatures, but also they're using mostly used barrels. Yeah. So you you've pulled a lot out of that barrel. So now that you pull that like that those fresh sugars and that yeah. sugars out, you can sit for longer. Where bourbon using those fresh barrels, you you can sit for ten years to eighteen years. And I really say 15 is pushing it for I me th- personally. I think 12 is my perfect. I'm going to say 10 yeah. for me. I, 10. Well, I like my thing is, it's like, all right, look, if you're having a, a really old bourbon, like 15 years is really pushing it. Yeah. But like my app, my favorites is like blends between eight and 12. Yeah. So did you see the, uh, I know this is off brand for what we're talking about. This isn't anything of what we're speaking of, but the uh, McAllen 70 year. Get out of here. It's ridiculous, it dude. How is no, there anything in that barrel? That, it happened. The, that, that's there the was thing. a McAllen 70 year. It cost like fucking, I'm sorry, it cost like $600 <laughs> well, for yeah. a bottle, and it comes in like That's cheap for a 70 year. oak right. case that you push a button, and it opens up, and there's this like crystal bottle. Oh, I bottle. did see that. The case like, is I outrageous. want it in and around my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I will take a McAllen, because I will. I like McAllen. McAllen is important for British history. Yeah, McAllen is British liquor. Well, the trouble was that they didn't have the Kentucky weather. Like we have wild fluctuation in degrees that happens to us all the time. And if you go over there to the old world, it's pretty constant. (laughs) It really is. Your your average temperature in Scotland is fifty-five degrees. Yeah, we're here almost constant. There's almost no average because you you have one ninety-degree day and then it's like. 60 degrees next day. Yeah. All right, and so let, we got to rain yeah, back into some of these rolls. So let's, let's um, so talk you've about... So you've got uh, C. Yeah. All right, so we've gone through A and B. Now C, you've got, it has to be at least 51% corn. Yeah. So when we started in, in the Americas, coming over, you know, you had rye that grows up in the Northeast. That's what yeah. grows up there. But then there was a whiskey tax, and it starts shooting all these people who are making moonshine yeah. down across the Appalachian to run away. Yeah. Well, those British shoulders, soldiers... Don't know their way shoulders. Uh, don't know their way through the Appalachian the way these like backwood moonshiners do. So what they did is they ran across and they started finding that corn through there, not yeah. rye. Rye grows like crap around here in in Kentucky's, Virginia's, Tennessee's. It's everywhere. Yeah, but but you go corn. You, you no matter where you go, you drive through Indiana. You'll understand it. Don't drive through it. <laughs> don't do it. Just it's Google. It's the most boring job you ever do. It's like driving through Kansas, except, for the except there's all, nothing but corn. Oh, but it, yeah, if you're At going night. from Louisville <laughs> to Chicago, yeah. driving through Indiana, those windmills are dope. They're <laughs> yes, they're horrifying. Oh. oh yeah, how many birds get killed? I don't know. Donald right. Trump. Tells. <laughs> uh, but you also see that in rye whiskey. You yeah, that and like the obligation is the same. It has to be at least more yeah. than everything else in there. And you yeah. see that in corn whiskey. And rye whiskey was the first American whiskey. Yeah. yeah. Now when now you're talking bourbon, and yeah. it has to be at least fifty one percent corn. Right. And then so now you've got your distill proof. Yes. All right. So you cannot distill higher than one sixty. One twenty five. One twenty five. No, you can dis- no. no 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 distill you- higher than one sixty. But most of them yeah. hit. No, yeah. no most of oh, them hit right. around 123 to 126. Is, is it, what they normally hit. But so now you've got your distill proof. 
But the reason it's only 160 is you don't want to strip away the flavor of the grains that they're putting in it. And that's why they typically only hit 120 to 130. So it must be distilled to a maximum of uh, 80 horsepower, 80 ABV, which is 160 proof. But it has to enter the barrel. Enter the barrel, which is enter the, the next barrel one. at no right. more than one twenty-five. Which brings yeah. up the right. question of like, why would you see bourbons that are hitting like one thirty-three? And the answer to that is because of our wild fluctuation in weather in Kentucky. That water is evaporating from those barrels faster than the alcohol is, and that's the so it's not uncommon shit. to like, what is it? Uh, bonging? No, not bonking. I'm thinking some one little stuff. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, it's the bong. And when you like the, release the bung, a barrel, the bung, bung, bung. When you're unbunging a barrel <laughs> that like went in at one, you know, sixty so, so, or twenty-five, it can be stronger than that. So because think of it this way: water yeah. 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 give a little bit stop. better description on this. I see where you're going here. Yeah. Um, so you put it in a barrel. Yeah. So the first year, actually, alcohol evaporates first. Then the water starts evaporating, and the water evaporates way higher rate than the alcohol. Yes. So now you're pulling the water out and leaving alcohol. Yeah. But uh, as that time goes on, alcohol does evaporate. But that's where the angel share comes from. That's yes. angels in and that's why doctor. So and, the and angel share is the alcohol that's, that's evaporated out. Into the air. Yeah, into yeah. the air. That's the angel share. So, and then you have Jim Beam's devil cut. Yeah. What wild so McAllen age statement were you talking about? The seven that years. was me. Like, how is there, anybody? How is there anything in that barrel? Right, but the, the difference is, is that is if they're at a colder temperature that's on true. average. Yeah, that's true. So less well, is cold. moving in and out of the barrel, um, and less is getting lifted into the air. Where okay. here, like, like right now, like we're at about an eighty degree day, no, and we're in an unair conditioned <laughs> attic. Yeah, it is really muggy. Yeah. Now it's not Georgia muggy, but it's muggy. Yeah, I'm damn. I'm damn. <laughs> uh, but you know, you, that's the thing is like they're not air conditioning for the most part. The only thing that these these bourbon warehouses are doing yeah. is steaming steam heating during the winter. Yeah. They're not yeah. touching the summer. Yeah, right. they're, but they're they, doing artificial seasons. Yes, which is but, a thing. But those are the well. super large companies like yeah. Woodford uh, and Forrester. Right. It's like in the Buffalo Trace X Factory. Yeah, where they're like weather controlling everything yeah. and just being like, let's give this a tornado and see what happens. But I, you know, it's interesting for you to make that statement on a McAllen seventy year because if we did a seventy year bourbon in Kentucky, and we filled that. Up, there would be nothing there. There'd be nothing there. But at all. the I've one seen, bottle we could fill <laughs> would sell for like twenty-seven thousand dollars. I, I tasted like, a barrel that was at eleven years, <laughs> and they probably would have got thirty bottles out of it. Yeah, yeah. it well, was incredible. But we were about to pay like eight thousand to ten thousand yeah. dollars for a barrel. But yeah. you know, you don't want to pay that much for yeah. a single like what thirty bottles. You know, I but can you, lick the inside of a charred oak barrel <laughs> and take a shot of Jim Beam and has the same experience. <laughs> But and that's you, what we're talking about. You with have this to, forty dollar and under. You have to realize, Scotch wise, like twelve years to fourteen years is the minimum for what people consider a great Scotch. A great Scotch, yes. A, no, a dist distinguished yeah. is a great word. Yeah. yeah, a distinguished Scotch. Like if you buy Dewar's or if you buy like Johnny Walker Black, that's a four to six year Scotch. Yeah, and it's not anything special. It's just a. Write it off, Scotch. He means Dewar's white label. Yeah, Dewar's Dewar's white label, Dewar's baseline. 
based on Johnny Walker. Yeah. But once you get to the upper echelon of that, like a lot of these Scotch companies have been making liquor for like kings and queens for a yeah, long time. Literally. And so the when the that's where the seventy comes from. And there's also like a one twelve, I wanna say, but I'm not super that's sure. Just I know, it's a, it's outlandish and it's nonsense. But who has the, the patience for Yeah, that? no one. But uh Loyalty. A, lot of, yeah, a lot of Scotch companies, uh, when there's a new queen or a new king, they will fill like three to five barrels of scotch the day that that king and queen are ours. inaugurated. Yeah. They're like, this is the queen level scotch. And they hold on to it until they're like, oh, I want that. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times that lasts for 50, 60 years. And yeah. that's how you end up with these nonsense scotches. It doesn't oh, yeah. make any sense. Because they're bad now. They just taste like oh, yeah. wood. Alright, so now yeah. we're at, uh, we, we did Bill Proof. Which is the uh, 125. Yeah. And, uh, One, or no, um, entry, proof, entry proof. Entry proof. And then, yeah. um, so now fill proof is the next one we're on. Yeah. Which it cannot it, uh, go under 80, 80 proof. Yeah. All right. So it's going into the bottle, yeah, for, it has to be at least 40% alcohol to go in the bottle and be considered alcohol. Now, now that we know all that, the, one of the misconceptions is, that it has to be aged a certain amount. No. To be bourbon, it could get washed around in a charred white oak bucket yeah. for a bucket second. For yeah. a second. It Throw it in bourbon. there, splash it back out. Right. It's bourbon. Yeah. Now, which is nonsense, but I love it. Nonsense. But this is where reading labels comes in handy. Yes. So you've got Kentucky Straight. If you see Kentucky Straight bourbon, that's two years. That's a two. guaranteed two years. If you see Bonded, that's a guaranteed four, four years. And then there are some still left with age statements on there. Not many. Also, the trouble with that is that if you're anything less than two and you say straight, you have to tell people on your bottle yeah. that it, it exists is. 36 months, which we yeah. see in the little overhaul, which we love. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I love overhaul. Exactly. But you see that. He's angry. They, <laughs> they changed the label recently, and he looks like an angry slave owner. Now it's it's kind of it's creepy. Bad timing. Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah. He, was. Um, he really, yeah, he was. Um, which the 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 person on old overhold <laughs> and old granddad is Basil Hayden. Um, which God, you know, it's all the that. same guy. Um, but that was his name. His name Margaret was Basil, not Basil. Okay. Everyone says Basil. It's Basil. Um, it's it's like when it's Austin Basil Powers is Basil. talking to his boss, which is hey Basil, you know. You, you got to deal with that. It's just We're a the thing. Austin Powers podcast. Yes. <laughs> Get in my belly. Get in my belly. Uh, I love it. But so you you know you're you're doing all that you're whatever yeah. All right. So well, like no. First right, off, so we're like finishing ABCs genuine. It has oh yeah, to be it does go to G. Nothing about that. Artificial. You cannot add anything to it. I don't no care way. how much. Fish, tobacco, spit, you want to put in this no barrel colorings. and call it a thing. Yeah, no caramel no coloring. Caramel, no nothing. Your scotch it can is have a true coloring. product onto itself. Yeah. And like, back to the, like, we cannot believe that our government in America has regulated our spirits over our food. But this is what's happened to us. Yeah. And thankfully now that we can curate amazing cocktails for you based on the regulations that happened in 18... 1897. 1897. 
Thank you, guys. <laughs> so, so now that, that we've kind of learned what we've learned, um, we've discussed what we've discussed, given some personal opinions, um, what would you rate the bourbon at? Well, let's, let's back up, because we forgot to do this last week, and it's an important part of what we're doing. So let's back up and think about the wild turkey and the champagne velvet. Okay. Yep. What are we going to rate that at? Because I feel like that's our baseline and our staple, and then we're going to move on to uh, the Brooklyn. Are Brooklyn we rating so the I, beer and the. Not, the, a, not as a themselves? You know what? We'll, or we'll as a pairing. Three, we'll do three judges. Yeah. So we're going to have a one to ten on each. All yeah. right. So you got the bourbon, you got the beer, and you got the bourbon and the beer together. Yeah. So for me, the bourbon is definitely a solid eight as wild turkey. I'm just going to say You seven. got a solid eight because of. It, not only the emotional attachment I have to it, but also the flavor profile is solid and it's yeah. consistent. So the beer itself for me is, I would say, a solid six because it's not a bad beer and it's not cheap in that sense of flavor, um, but it's nothing so astounding that I'm like, I need that again. And yeah. I've, I've gone back and ordered Champagne Velvet because I saw it at the bar and went back and ordered it. That's why I give it a solid six. Like it would lean towards seven, but I'm giving it a six. Now together, like as a combo, oh dude, straight another eight. Like another eight, hands right. down, yeah. another eight. Right, Brian. I mean, for wild me, turkey, champagne. Bell. Turkey is like, I do what I do because of wild turkey, and I have to give that like a solid like nine, eight, ten. Like we're not I, talking about who you are. We're well, talking about how much you like it. Fair enough. Uh, so if I had to like judge turkey onto itself, I would say that it might be a little uh, aggressive. If I was just a bourbon taster tasting bourbons, I would be like, this yeah. might need to be toned down a little bit. But living in the city that we live in and doing what we do, that just works so well for our philosophies. So I personally give it like a, it says solid seven. Champagne Velvet, uh, I really hate Miller's High Life. Like, I'm not a fan of that beer. And the fact that Champagne Velvet also saw that and decided to put Champagne in the same style of beer onto the can and like cast themselves against that, I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. So I'm going to give Champagne Velvet a solid like, 8 out of 10. Because it is far better. Right, so you're 8 opinion. and an 8. An eight right? And eight. So that's a 16 out of 20. 16 out of 20. All right. You were at a... I said eight and a six. Eight and a six, so that's a fourteen. Fourteen out of twenty. Honestly, like I love turkey. Getting down to my getting down to my ratings. I love turkey. I love turkey one oh one. But there's so much more bourbon that I prefer. Heard. Especially budget bourbon, which is what we're going to talk mm. what we're gonna continue talking about. Honestly, I'm gonna give turkey a baseline six. And I get that. I yeah, really it, it is what it is, and it gets the job done, and it is tasty. Definitely gets the job oh, done. Oh, it gets the job done. <laughs> There's not a lot of refinement to it. But it. It just is so present. It, yeah, it's not a thing that, or it's not a bourbon that I'm going to go out and be like, oh, do you have wild turkey? Because right. I know you have. Especially in Louisville and Kentucky, that I, I can find it anywhere. Like, I'll go out, and if that's what I get, that's awesome. But it's not necessarily always what I want. Mm -hmm. I want something better. Beer-wise, Champagne Velvet, I chose Champagne Velvet. You did. It works super well with the turkey. High corn content. I liked it. It was a, a wonderfully, like, 
like unexpected combo. Yeah, it absolutely. Works so well. It goes back to the loggers is the Saint Germain of beer. <laughs> and I don't like. I'm not a huge beer guy, but I'll give that. I would give that a seven, a tentative seven. Okay. This is a three dollar beer that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, seven out of ten. Especially in the in the mindset and in the reality that we, that we are drinking these together. So together, that's what a six and a seven. Mm-hmm. And that's eight, a thirteen. 15. I like I like the time you took to do your math. Make sure you're you know what? I went to school for physics. I can do math. <laughs> <laughs> but we drink a lot. Yeah. That's, That's true. Yes, we've had a long week and we drank a good amount in yeah. our session. Uh, so yeah, that's where I, we are with those. I, so I will point out, we drank more of the Old Forester than we did Wild Turkey. But now, we I ran would, out of the Wild Turkey. That's and Burger Week. Well, <laughs> well, I also will admit, it is not as hot today. No. Yeah, it's no. Not. So, it feels you know, actually and, pretty And that's something, when you're choosing a bourbon, is actually something you need to think about. Yeah. Like, Wathens, yeah. for me, a porch bourbon. It's yeah. it's soft enough, it has like 21% barley, like, you know, it's one of those moments well, where it's it's over the top, but it's yeah. a porch bourbon. And it's good for it, especially the single barrel. Uh, but, like, we have drank a good half bottle between the three of us and sipped on a beer the entire yeah. time. So, between the three of us there, let's do our let's do our rating for this Old Forester 100 proof. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's start with you, since you went last, right. last time. Uh, Old Forester 100, personally, you know what? I'll give it a six again. It's right at the same level for me as the Wild Turkey 101. It's fine. Like, it's tasty. And if it's there and you're going to give it to me, I'll drink it. But I'm never gonna be like, oh, you have that? I need it. I don't. Sure. It, it doesn't matter to me. I wish you would have saw his hand gesture. Oh was yeah, a, it's. It was. It was very extravagant. I'm a queen, baby. Uh, the Brooklyn Summer. I'll give it more than Champagne Velvet. I'll give that a seven. I'll like give it an eight and a seven. Yeah. So combined, put me at fifteen. I liked it. I could crush it on my porch. I would have to pee a lot, but I would crush it on my oh, yeah. porch. That's what you do your porch. Well, I'd do that, but I live... My porch is on, like, the main thoroughfare. <laughs> it's hard to pee there. You live in a very nice-looking yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> All right, Brian? I mean, for me, like, this beer and acknowledging that, like, New York is a, um, a novelty hub, as it has been since the 60s, mm-hmm. for us as a society... And with that comes a lot of information, some of which is correct and some of which isn't. But for me, I think this beer is a perfect summer, summer sessionable beer. I would drink this. I would never not order this if I saw it on a menu. Like, I'm totally about it. The Old Forester by itself. Well, well, what's the point you give it, though? Yeah, I mean, out of 10, a, what do you get this Brooklyn 10, Summer? I mean, you know, 10s are hard reaches for me. I'm going to say it's a solid 6.5. All right. Yeah. yeah. Which is a good rating for a yeah, beer, I mean, sure. in all reality. Old Forester, for me, I think I kind of reached for it out of a nostalgic response and out of uh, ob- obligation to cocktails uh, yeah. by itself, which generally I don't drink bourbons, I shoot bourbons. It's going to sit there like a solid five. You know, it all is right, just that fair. middle baseline of like, this is what an overproofed, higher rise than normal Air bourbon code. should be, yeah. is yeah. that. And I'm not mad at it. All right, so for me, um, I'm gonna start with the bourbon. Uh, I've had, I 
trying to negate the fact that I've had bad experiences with Old Forester. <laughs> 86. Uh, it was 86, and that's why, like, one of the reasons I only drink uh, Old Forester 100 or Signature, but I, I've gone back to 86, and it's still it's not the same. Um, I like what's going on, but it's not a preferred flavor. I would like less of the fruit notes, more of the caramel and vanilla. So I'm going to give the bourbon a 6. But for me, on the beer, I mean, if you're considering style of beer in this point, um, compared to just beer, yeah, I, beer. I I think in this style of beer as pale ale slash summer ale, like kind of like because you're hitting two categories there, I give this one a solid like seven point five. Um, it's it's seven point five, leaning towards like that eight, due to the fact that it has enough complexity. To like present itself and say that I have a lot of flavor, yeah. mm-hmm. but not so much that I'm like the hops are too much or yeah. like it's too soft or it, I can't I can't crush these or like yeah. oh I didn't want to sip on that like I, I we've been sipping on one beer the entire time and we've done three bourbons and we've done three bourbons yes mm-hmm. and that's a solid I mean that's a solid thirteen point five out of you I, yeah. I, yeah that's a hey, good I, move I, I'm good at math. <laughs> a solid thirteen point five out of Chad Reed is a good is a good look. Like that's not high class bar. I, I We're can looking get at a little uh, judgmental beer. on yeah. especially beers. Yeah, um, you do. Uh, yeah, I yeah. and I drink stuff like Stroh's. So for me yeah. to say like that's a solid beer is that means a lot. Yeah, at least to me. It means, <laughs> it means a lot to me too, Chad. Oh, I'm glad. I'm, Glad wing, we had your combo. This There's week. three holes right there. That's three all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was this week's podcast. So let's real quick talk about next week. We yeah. have who's on beer, who's on bourbon. So I chose the beer this week. I'm on beer. Uh, so Brian's on, on beer. beer. That means I'm on bourbon. That's right. All right. Uh, what's your beer? What's your bourbon? Oh no! <laughs> oh, look at that. Right. I'm gonna choose uh, 1792. Or small batch, correct? Small batch, yeah. yeah 1792 yeah. small batch is going to be the bourbon for our next podcast. So for the people who don't know, it's Ridgemont Reserve, yep. 1792 yep. small batch. I'm doing our Little Kings. We're going to do Little, little Kings. All right. Yeah. I feel okay. like that's a really good combination. That's yeah. something I'm looking forward to. Yeah. yeah. So um, Ridgemont Reserve, 1792, and Little Kings Cream yeah. Ale. Yeah. Like little 10 Kings, years. Uh, <laughs> as we referenced in the last podcast, uh, we recently brought it into our bar. Yeah. And it's it's done well. It's yeah. an old school beer, yeah. um, and we'll see how it works out next week. It's gonna work out great. I, I think it will too. Um, I I want to say go ahead and, and you know cap this podcast off with. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate all the work that you guys do. That's we work in a bar together. Yeah. Uh, we just went through Hell Week. I like to think mm-hmm. of it as our Navy Seal Week. Yeah, um, a lot. Yeah. It, it to be honest, Burger Week really is worse is. than Derby. Yeah, yeah. It, it could because Beer. it's it's everyone yeah. asks for everything cheap, not expensive. Yeah. That's right. the difference. Yeah. But um, if you're from Louisville, you understand the Derby Week moment. If you're not from Louisville, that's just a reference we. We'll talk like, about it yeah. later when we're not yeah. traumatized by it. Exactly. So let's go um, eat some sushi that our bosses paid for. Yeah, that's and right. Cheers yeah. on that. And just remember, yeah. I'm Chad Reed, Brian Sailing, and I'm Kevin Turner, and we are signing off. And there was corn. <laughs>